Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today I'll be joined by John Burrows, the owner of ProVeg Seeds. I had the pleasure of seeing their tomato trials, disease-resistant cultivars no less and we'll be discussing them as well as the 30-year history of ProVeg. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. We've had a lovely spell of weather in Essex, uh, and now uh, the evenings are cooling, and already hedges are beginning to show autumn leaf colour, probably brought about by drought where I live but I have noticed that there are really heavy crops of fruits on hollies, dog roses, slow and thorn. The old adage forecasts that uh, a hard winter followed when the hedges are full of fruit. I think however it's more likely that uh, those really heavy burying's are caused because we had a frost-free period when the shrubs were in flower but we'll have to wait and see. I've been picking some really beautiful large autumn treasure and polka raspberries and that along with some uh, fresh blueberries and an apple called scrumptious. On my uh, breakfast cereal each morning uh, really makes life worth living. Scrumptious is a lovely early apple, uh, very similar to the Worcester style, can be a bit pink under the skin, uh, doesn't store very long. But if you want one apple to eat in August, early September, that is really sweet and juicy, then give Scrumptious a try. Last week I mentioned the ITV Tonight programme, which was called The Trouble with Garden Centres. Goodness, they didn't let the truth get in the way of making their, at best, very one-sided case when not completely misleading. On Pete, for example... They showed shots of peat being harvested in Ireland, but absolutely no reference to 90% of that uh, harvest being burnt for power generation. No mention either, come to that, of the eight square miles of bog that was incinerated last summer with wildfires. Surely it's better to uh, use a little peat to grow plants, which absorb CO2 and lock up carbon rather than burn it. And why aren't we following the practice in Finland, where they carefully control the water levels on cutaway bogs, so that the white sphagnum moss peat grows again, and grows again at a much faster rate than was uh, stated by Chris Choi. I don't know why they can't research these subjects much better. The gardening customers certainly vote with their feet and credit cards. I mean, uh, in the last week, I see that Jack's Magic, 
with a very high peak content, is number two in last week's purchases. Over that same period, the first peat-free compost was at number 11. Ten composts ahead of it that were peat-based before we came to a a peat-free compost, and there were only three peat-free composts in the whole of the top 50. I mean, what the programme didn't tell you was that peat, when it's dry, can be pressed two and a half times to one, which means that uh, your cost of uh, fossil fuel transporting is reduced by similar proportion and the amount of polythene used to wrap it up is also reduced. If you sing the praises of coir, that has to be shipped from the tropics. Surely it's better for us to uh, grow our own peat, which looks to be quite feasible. Certainly they're doing it in Finland. And then the programme went on to plastic pots. I don't understand why there's all the song and dance when Chris Choi drove to a hundred garden centres, burning fossil fuel to do it, I suppose. Did he not look to the roadsides, which are ankle deep in people just chucking plastic away? Surely if we could stop that littering, we would save much more plastic going down in the rivers and out to the oceans. We should make really strong campaigns to stop that ghastly littering. And if you went to a manufacturer like uh, H. Smith Plastics that I've known for, well, I've seen getting on for 50 years, they make black plastic pots and the cell trays that we use in horticulture and use recycled black plastic. You know, they've done that for years. And of course, with a black plastic pot, we as gardeners can use them again and again and again whereas the colour pots don't seem to have the same ultraviolet resistance. It doesn't make sense. Speaking to the folk at uh, H. Smith's Plastics, they told me that we should be using our black pots and cell trays like milk bottles. When we've uh, emptied them and don't want them anymore, they should be washed. Note the wash. And then taken back to the garden centre... And the lorries delivering plants to garden centres could then take those wash plastic containers back to the nursery. And when the manufacturer delivered pots to the nurseries, they could take the washed, reuse or, or empty containers back again. And then the whole job is sustainable. The key, though, is the washing. A big expense with the recycling of plastic, no matter what the colour, is the washing. And and the obvious way is, uh, when we've uh, finished washing up, uh, is just to use that uh, washing up water to wash our pots. And as I say, like milk bottles, the whole thing is recyclable. Of course, you didn't hear anything of that on the ITV Tonight programme. Much easier to just uh, hit the folk who can't answer back. Back on to uh, more sensible things. Lawns have taken a punishing this summer, and as we get into September... Uh, they'll need a little bit of care. It's a very good time if you want to sow a new lawn to cultivate the soil, get that nicely uh, stirred up and allowed to settle, and then sow new seed. Or alternatively, if you don't want that uh, cultivation job, then just uh, scarify through the surface, aerate if you're on heavy clay, and then towards the end of the month, Sow some fresh seed. And remember, when you sow lawn seed, stand upright and just cast it out from your hands, like the proverbial seed sower, at waist height 
and then as it sifts down in the air, it spreads much more evenly than if you have your hand really close to the soil where it tends to come out in biggish lumps. A little attention to lawns will have them much greener. Uh, I was uh, asked advice to uh, walk round a new garden, well, a new old garden, uh, and name some of the shrubs and things. Uh, it contained two big clumps of uh, black-stemmed bamboo and a yellow one. There were a number of old canes which really need cutting out, and, of course, it would be a good supply of canes for the gardener. And then once that was done, it would expose all the nice young black stems and alongside it, the yellow ones, which would be very attractive in the winter. There were, too, uh, several uh, seedlings in amongst the uh, shrubs that were on the perimeter of this small garden, uh, seedlings of ash, hazel and holly, and they needed uh, stubbing out. You know, it's, you need a mattock or, you know, a, um, something a bit heavier, a good strong spade, and just chop those seedlings out before they get too big and too difficult. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, last week, I, I journeyed through the byways of Soham in Cambridge uh, and surprised myself really by finding one of the finest set of vegetable trials I think I've ever seen. And not just the interest in the new varieties being introduced, but the quality of the way they were grown, all the paths neatly mown, and lots of good growing ideas and new varieties to look forward to. And it's all lifetime's work of John Burroughs. Uh, John's with us today. John, is it still as hot and warm in uh, Cambridgeshire as it was when we were with you last week? It certainly is, Peter. Good morning to you. It's 33.3 degrees. I've just measured it on my bricks uh, sugar content meter. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the sun has gone in at the moment, so I'm standing next to our trial of cage tomatoes so I can talk you through some of those varieties. Well, before we get into what you're standing there looking at, just yep. a little introduction. I mean, you started in the sea trade with uh, Hurst, Gunson, Cooper, Tabor, I think, in Essex. Uh, not quite, Peter. I started it with Charles Sharp before that oh, in right. Sleaford, which was in 1976. And then after about five years working at Sharp's, I wanted to develop my career. So I wrote to my 
future boss, George Bevan at Hearst, and I was fortunate to get a position working with Hearst. So that was my first venture into the seed industry. I mean, that name George Bevan is one to conjure with. Goodness, he knew his peas and beans, didn't he? Absolutely, yes. So Screen Chef was bred by Mr Bevan and still still a very good variety in, in the marketplace today. And then you moved on just across the county to Ipswich. Uh, correct, yes. That was, well, via, I did have two years working for a, a small family business in Cambridgeshire called Nutting and Loday. And then, not more or less at the same time, I took a job at Thompson Morgan as their seed buyer. And you were very fortunate there that, that uh, you were allowed to sort of start breeding on your own. Uh, well, precisely. I wasn't breeding at that point, Peter, but what I was doing was I'd started my company, which was in those days was called Proceeds because I had a lot of knowledge in the bee industry and I wanted to sell seeds, bee seeds to my customers and I felt there was a potential to grow, grow a business. But I have, having started the business, I was only six months into that process. Uh, one of my colleagues, former colleagues in the industry, said there was a position at Thompson & Morgan. They were looking for a buyer, so I went for an interview. I discussed it with my future boss, Mr. Paul Hansord, uh, that, that I had a, a business which I'd started six months previous. It was dealing with professional growers. It was a different market segment. So I was able to negotiate a position working for Thompson Morgan full-time, and I ran my business for five years part-time, selling the peas and beans. You'd have a job to negotiate that today, John, wouldn't you? Eh? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. That, they, they, yeah, they saw my the potential because I had a lot of contacts in the vegetable world. Obviously, Thompson Morgan are very well known for flower seeds and and uh, developing new flowers. So it was a good marriage, really, of my knowledge on the vegetables, and, and they were going to introduce me to the world of flowers. So it was fantastic. I really enjoyed my time there. And now you're celebrating 30 years of yes. pro-veg. Correct, yes. Uh, I started the business in my uh, semi-detached house I used to live in in Whitton, in Essex, because that's where I lived after my days working for Hearst. And from small beginnings, it's now become a, an operation where we have four full-time employees and two consultants, and, and we have employed more people in the past. But at the moment, it's it, there's six people working in the organisation, plus obviously we create jobs for a lot of other people who suppliers and handle our seeds and so on. So I'm very proud of that. John, with, with every uh, good reason, you should be proud of it, because I think you, you. you deal with um, 100 international companies now. Correct, yes. That's been one of my, what I call my USB. It's it's my knowledge of the industry, and I've gone out around the world looking for suppliers, and it's been a process. Of, but yes, it's taken 30 years to build build that up to, to this level. And we have some very good suppliers now, not just in, in the UK, but in the rest of Europe. We're sourcing from the rest of Europe, from America, from Canada, and from the Far East. Those are our main main sources. And you said you were standing by tomatoes. Uh, yes. at, at the trial, I was particularly uh, impressed by the tabletop bush tomatoes. I mean, you, yes. don't, you don't see that anywhere else. No, that's right. I'm standing next to the tabletops, and I'm actually looking at the cage tomatoes that, that we've grown as well. Because what we do is we, we have a tunnel on the right-hand side from where I'm standing. There's 42 indeterminate varieties in the, in the tunnel. There are 27 varieties grown on the bush outside, which is state. And then there's probably about 10, 10 varieties of um, what we call tabletop tomatoes. So we, we wanted to just 
investigate the possibility of growing tomatoes like like you can strawberries in grow bags on, on raised benches, and it's been very successful. And we've had some very good yield results and very good fruit quality growing them in this way. For the average home gardener, where space is limited, it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? You could drive two stakes in the ground, put a, yep. a plank across them, uh, and a grow bag on the top, and grow two That's crops. Right. Yeah. Yes, and you can have lettuce or something else, a catch crop, radish or something like that, growing underneath. Now, what kind of uh, cultivars would you recommend that we gave this treatment to? Because you've actually bred and introduced some yourself, as well as what you've found travelling the world. Exactly, yes. Twelve years ago, we started what we call the Patio Tomato Breeding Programme, and the first varieties from that programme were the Lizetto and Lizano, which are both semi-determinate cherry tomatoes with very good late blight tolerance. And they were our first introductions. In fact, Lizano was entered by us into the All-America Selections National Trials, where they trial over 40 different trial sites right across the United States. And, and it, we got our first AES award. I mean, that's pretty unique for a British breeder, isn't it, to get a, it is, a, yes. an AAN award? AES, yes. We, we were the first company since the 1920s, since Robinson's up in Lancashire. They, they got an AES award for one of their special show onions. So that was back in the 1920s. So I'm very proud of the fact that we were the first company since then to, to enter a vegetable variety into the AS trials and, and win an award. We actually got two awards in 2011. We got the Lisano Award plus a variety called Terenzo, which is a hanging basket variety, also a cherry tomato. And then that was followed in 2014. We introduced a, a grape, what the Americans call grape tomatoes. We call them baby plums called Rebello, although in the US it's called Fantastico. So that was our third AS winner. And then this year we've had another winner called Solano, which is which I'm standing in front of now in the cage, which is a much more vigorous version of Romello. So we've had four winners in nine years, eight, nine years. Amazing. From our breeding program. Now you had quite a range of salad leaves and a pretty yeah. clever way of uh, growing those. That's right. We do, we do them in very large black containers, probably 50 litres, something like that. And then we've got space to do two different sowings. So if the first sowing date is slightly over when we have our open days, you've got a second chance to get the plants coming to the right stage for when we want to show them to our customers. So you split the top of the container into half, sow one lot, and then how long do you leave it before the second lot goes in? Uh, it's probably about two, two or three weeks uh, yeah, and and then it and then it means that your harvest uh, comes in succession, doesn't it? Exactly. So it's a staggered harvest, so probably two weeks different yeah. sowing days. Yeah, if the homeowner does that, then there'd be a steady supply of salad leaves, and when they cut yeah. one, the other one would come up, and by the time they cut the second sowing, the first yeah. one would be growing again. Exactly. Yes, so yeah. I'm standing in front of Red Monarch, which is well-known variety. It's got a red red vein on and the pale green leaf quite quite an attractive leaf we've actually got a variety we registered on the EU list called red kale Peter and it's very dark red certainly one of my favourites and is that a kale? it's a kale yes it's from Korea and they use a lot of kale in their cuisine in Korea of course so it's got a really good peppery taste yeah because you were telling me that in different countries they breed for different flavours. And in the case of Japan, when it came to collards or uh, non-harding cabbage, they're yeah. different to our European uh, brassicas. Yeah, yes. 
because a lot of our collards come out of America and they tend to have a very coarse leaf because they're growing them on a very large scale for processing, whereas what the Japanese are producing is a much more refined leaf. It's a leaf effect and uh, it's much more flavour. And so can you describe the flavour to us then? Not as hot as the uh, American stuff? I'd say it's a milder flavour and uh, just uh, much more attractive. To, to eat, uh, like you could put it in a salad or you can steam it and stir-fry it in the usual ways. And then just down a bit from the, uh, the collards, yes. you've you got, you got two turnips which um, really uh, raise my interest, particularly yes. a red one. Yes. And, uh, last week they weren't quite at the right stage maturity-wise, but at the moment they're perfect. They've just managed to come through in the last few days. One is called Salad White. It's It's... It's almost like a radish. It just looks like a round white radish. Of course, it's a turnip. And the other one is a red turnip, which with a very crisp interior when you when you bite into it. So they're both very interesting introductions. Well, I, I taste turnip salad white, um, yes. and I preferred it to radish. I mean, radish, particularly with high temperatures like we've had yeah. in the last week or so, they get too hot, don't they? Yes, quite pungent, and these are quite mild. So, yeah. Yes, I, I agree with you there, Peter. I, I just think that it's a novel. It's a novelty, and it, it could be a good introduction. Yeah, where where are uh, they coming uh, from? These are from Japan, Peter. Both these varieties. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about shallots from seed? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were so many exciting things for me to see there. It just went on and on. Exactly. Yes, the shallion. We call them shallions because they're different species to the regular uh, allium super types. Which, which we all know, the white Lisbon type onion. Uh, these shallions have got a much milder flavour, and of course they are very distinct. So the celebrity chefs like Jamie Oliver and, and the like, they've, they've picked up on these. And we maintain our own stocks, which we produce in France, on a biennial process, because it's a two-year seed crop. And we're very proud of our stock. It's called Zabrun, which is um, a, it's a French variety, which we've developed for, the, for our market. Well, can we describe it? Because um, it's long. It's quite long, elliptical shaped, and and it tends to go sort of red when it's when it's botanically ripe. It, it ripens to a sort of nice pinky pale red. I mean, chefs would love that to slice, you know, because it was almost like uh, the the beet bolt hardy, one of those beets that's sort of long. Yeah. Um, exactly. and, and oval. I think you call them torpedo shallots, don't you? Exactly, yes. Perfect. That's a good description, Peter. I would, I would agree with that. And we now have a new red selection as well, which is looking very promising. But at the moment, we're just in the early stages of bulking up the seed of that one. And then garden peas. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm hoping to speak to your consultant next week about uh, garden peas. I mean, yes. uh, there's remarkable breeding work done there for disease resistance, isn't there? They have... Uh, had a strong emphasis on breeding for downy mildew and powdery mildew resistance. And we're getting the benefit of that now for our fresh market customers. Again, it's been an opportunity for ProVeg. I did, one of my former colleagues who's now retired worked for Syngenta, so that was a good lead into our relationship with the company. And, and we're, we're finding it very, very useful, not just for peas, Peter, but we're also promoting all the resistant brassicas, the cabbages and Brussels sprouts, which are crops we've not been strong in in the, in the past. So in a very, very good uh, 
development for Burridge. Well, John, you were kind mm. enough to send me a few seeds of that new, very early Calabrese, uh, and I can yeah. tell you it's not only in, it's up. So in seven days, I've been to see you, seen something wow. exciting, you've sent me the seeds, and they're up, you know. That's fantastic. Yeah. OK, because they're bolting here now, Peter, so you're the future, so my crop's finished. <laughs> <laughs> but, John, it's great to talk to you, and I hope to get back in the next fortnight because I want to see your sunflowers you know, yes. because, boy, you've got some uh, good-looking sunflowers there. They are, yes. The Ronnie is looking stunning, but uh, so goes the whole plot. It's in full flower now since the open days that you visited, and, and it just provides quite a, an intimate sight for us, having the Ronnie going all the way around the field. John, what a way to celebrate this, Thank you. the 30th <laughs> anniversary. Fantastic trials and, and three All-American Selection Awards. I mean, you must be walking on air. Right, four with this year's Solano Peter, so we had four awards. Oh, right. (laughs) What's on? As far as the average home gardener is concerned, the show season is quietening a little bit for a week or two, but it certainly isn't in trade circumstances. This week, uh, as I've mentioned, we've had the International Garden Centre delegates from all around the world based at Windsor, we have the Four Oaks Trade Show up in Cheshire. There's the Fleurislec Retail Conference in uh, Zurich. Uh, the RHS Show in Wisley. Uh, there's lots and lots going on. Uh, almost look forward to winter. But I must get my garden a bit tidy. I'm nearly there. Uh, and if I can just spend another weekend, get everything trimmed and sorted and start planting for the new season. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com